It's so good to be with all of you here on this Good Friday service. Those of you watching online, it's so great to have you joining in with us. It's a little bit of an odd thing, isn't it, to look at death. But yet that's what we come to do in these moments. This is that unique moment in the calendar year where we look specifically at the death and at the suffering of Jesus Christ. It's very difficult to look at death. I don't know if you've ever been in a room when someone has taken their last breath, but you never forget it. One of the first things that I did as a full-time pastor here at Westridge was to go to the bedside of a young man whose family had just recently attended our church and very small staff at the time, and it literally was one of those things where where I took the call and I was going at the time downtown to a hospital that I had never been in before and basically I just heard that there was a family who had a young man who had a tragedy and they just wanted someone to come in the room to pray and so I I gave the the young man's name to the information desk there at the hospital and I went up in the elevator and went down this hallway into this ICU room and I walked into the room and I did not know all of the circumstances that were going on. I walked into the room and I asked his mother how things were going and she didn't really have a response. I could tell it was very heavy and so I'm doing the best I can as probably a 22, 23-year-old pastor in that moment to just say, well, then let's pray. And so I come over and I, I laid my hand on his shoulder and I prayed, not knowing all the circumstances. I prayed. I prayed for healing. I prayed that God's will would be done and tried to encourage the family and all those things that you try to do as a pastor in those moments. And when I said amen, I'll never forget From the mother to a physician in the room, she just gave a nod. And then the machines that were supporting this young man's life were turned off. And he breathed his last breath. It's so, so difficult to look at death. Almost a decade ago, I did the funeral of a man in our community. I I didn't know at the time. I was just getting to know this family. And he was in his 70s and been married a, a very long time and I got to meet his, his widow. Again, I, at the time, I think now, I'm, I'm not trying to give you the timeline of my life, but I think I'm about 30 at, the, at this point. And this spirited southern woman, like none I had ever countered, encountered before, in her 70s, she called me over, told me that she was this man's wife, and that her favorite pastor was Joel Osteen, and that I did not look old enough to be a pastor. <laughs> After the funeral, the family was, was very, very kind. They, were, they gave words of, of gratitude, and, and they said that this dear woman, who with all of her spunk and spirit had given me a very hard time for about 48 hours, they said, you know, we want you to know that that Kate actually really liked you. She gives everybody a hard time that she really likes. So it was a few years later that I got a call from Kate's family. They said, you know, she's, she's older and it's her time. And she's called and she's asked for you. And so I'll never forget walking into that hospital room, gathering with all her family as she was saying the her last goodbyes. This was truly an an amazing moment. I walked into that hospital room and she looked over at me and she said, I asked them to get you. 
She said Joel Osteen wasn't available, so I asked them (laughs) to get you. I prayed with her and the family, and a few minutes later, Kate stepped into the presence of Jesus. It's gut-wrenching, and yet somehow it's beautiful. I look back and think about the moment when I identified the body of my best friend. I've said goodbye to members of my own family. I've held the hands of members of this community and acted as a conduit to help them say goodbye to a loved one in the moments of their passing. It's in those moments of staring death in the face that we remember what is most important. And there's incredible tension to come unto this day and to look at death. We look at this most brutal tool of Roman execution and we call it wonderful, glorious, and beautiful. We call the day of our Savior's death Good Friday. And as difficult as it is, it's important to take a few moments and to look intently at the cross of Jesus Christ. And when the Apostle Paul considered the cross, he said it this way. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, he said, But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. To look at the cross is to recalibrate your life around this one thing and receive the confidence that comes from knowing that the God of the universe has laid down his life for you. And I want to draw attention to a particular word that the Apostle Paul uses in Galatians chapter 6. It's an odd word to consider when we consider death. It's the word boast. He says, far be it from me to have confidence... And anything other than the cross of Jesus Christ, let your motivation to live and the faith that you will overwhelmingly conquer any obstacle because of the power of Almighty God from, come from looking at this moment of unbelievable suffering. The Greek word translated boast in Galatians chapter 6 verse 14, or in some of your translations it's the word exult, it literally means to hold your head high. Hold your head high today and look at the cross of Jesus Christ. We live in a look-down society, don't we? I mean, it used to be at at stoplights, people were just anxious to go as soon as the light would turn green. Now people don't know when the light turns green because they're looking down at their phone. I mean, look at this. The next time you're at an intersection, they're, they're, they're looking down. We look down all the time. We look down at our computers. We look down to read. We look down to to text. We look down to stand over a countertop and prepare a meal. We look down even to pray. So many of our daily activities and habits cause us to look down. So my chiropractor and I were talking about this. He was actually giving me a hard time for looking down at my phone all the time. I would get my adjustment and then I would look at my phone. I would be waiting on him to adjust me. I would be looking at my phone. And so he gave me a little encouragement in this regard. He said, there are 70 trillion cells in your body 70 trillion cells in the body every single one of them are part of your life every single one of them is directly impacted he would say by the condition of your spinal cord and the curve of your neck is particularly important in this so whenever you look down you're actually compressing the spinal cord in a negative way you are literally cutting off some of the function of your nervous system 
every time you look down. And so my chiropractor gave me an exercise. He said, here's what I want you to do. To correct how much you look down, whenever you can, I want you to throw your shoulders back just a little bit, to put your palms up, to lift your chin, and to look up, to fix that curve in your neck from you checking Facebook all the time. This posture can literally help restore life to the body. And it's the posture the Apostle Paul challenges us to have today in order to restore the vital function of your life. It's a corrective measure that we take today on this Good Friday to remind ourselves that our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Today, we hold our heads high about nothing else than the cross of Jesus Christ. We look at his life and for what he has done for us and allows us to recalibrate all the ways in which our life has gotten out of alignment. We don't hold our heads high about the importance of our work today. We don't hold our heads high about our own gifts and our own talents. We don't hold our heads high about our contributions or our accomplishments. We follow the example of Jesus Christ who stepped out of heaven, who made himself of no reputation. We look up and we hold our heads high and we behold the man today. We behold the Lamb of God, his first cousin John the Baptist would say. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That was something John said at the very beginning of his, of his ministry. There before the baptism of Jesus. What an amazing reference John the Baptist makes when Jesus first comes on the scene. Before he has performed any miracles in his public ministry or preached the first word of the first sermon, John knew what was coming. And he tells us to behold the lamb today, to behold him, to see him, to look upon him. The word that John uses can even mean experience him. Look upon the lamb, the lamb born in Bethlehem, the birthplace of every lamb who would be killed in official capacity as part of the Passover throughout Jerusalem. Born to be the sacrifice, born to be the price of our reconciliation back to God, born to be the payment of our sins. We hold our heads high today and we look upon the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. Hold your head up high today and look at the one who ate with sinners and who welcomed outsiders. Look upon the one who said, let the children come to me for such is the kingdom of heaven. Hold your head up high today and look at the one who never forced himself on anyone yet welcomed and listened to everyone. Let's hold our heads up high today while the Son of Man walks on the water, while he calms the sea, while he casts out demons and feeds the hungry. Hold your head up high today and look as the blind receive their sight, as the lame learn to walk again, as disease is healed and those captive in their sins are set free. Hold your head up high today and look at the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's what we came here to do today. In the same way with the same word that John the Baptist uses, the Roman governor invites us to look at him today. In John chapter 19, verse 5, Jesus comes out wearing a crown of thorns and a purple robe. And Pilate says, behold the man, see him, gaze at him, look at him, experience him.
And we come to look at him on this day that occurred not quite 2,000 years ago. He's been betrayed. He's been abandoned by his followers. He's been denied by his closest friends. He has already been whipped by the Romans. And contrary to what you may have heard, the Romans have no 39 lash limit when they are punishing someone who is not Roman. He was beaten until the Roman soldier grew tired. They twisted a crown of thorns and pressed them into his head. And then Pilate brings him forward and says, Behold him. And then after all of that, Pilate declared him not guilty. Just a Friday morning of Roman mockery. But the crowd wanted more. What do you want me to do with him, he announces. Take him away. Take him away. And crucify him. Crucify him, they shout. And I know we cannot physically see him today. But as best as you can in your mind's eye, wherever you are today, look up. And look at him. First Peter, Peter says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Hold your head high. And look up at the cross of Jesus Christ. Look up at him today as hard as it is. How can we look back at such suffering and pain and be filled with what Peter says, joy inexpressible? Because it was personal. Because this death today, this death that we consider today, this death that we behold, that we look at, that we gaze at today, it was for you. Peter would go on to say, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. And there he stands, battered and beaten, abused and abandoned, with only one motivation. Only one thing holding him on that cross. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 says this, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. His execution is now ordered as he carries his cross through the winding, narrow streets of Jerusalem. He could not bear the weight of it on his own particularly after the scourging he had just received. So the Roman soldiers commanded someone else to carry it along that path, that path known as the Via Dolorosa, the way of suffering. I've walked it. I could not believe it's a a market street. It's filled with shops and patrons 
And on Passover, it would be crowded unlike any other time of year as Jerusalem's population would swell by over 400%. They wanted him right down the middle of the street because the intention is not just crucifixion. The intention is humiliation. It's an example to any others who might be tempted to rebel against the power and the authority of Rome. He most likely was not crucified on top of that hill called Golgotha, but on the road in front of it. Roman crucifixion was always on the road so that everyone who had passed had the opportunity to share in the mocking, to show their allegiance to an oppressive regime. And now his body is laid down and attached to the beams by Roman soldiers holding Roman nails. In 1 Peter it says, He himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds. By his wounds. You have been healed. The New Testament writers would look upon the cross of Jesus in their mind's eye and declare our sins canceled with the pounding of the nails. And his wounds are healing. It's a beautiful mystery, isn't it? That the streams of blood from the lashing and the nails and the thorns would cover my sins, would pay my price. Even God the Father turns his head from the sin that accompanies the suffering and he's left alone there to die. And he hangs there as darkness falls across the land. An unnatural, God-caused darkness. An ominous, ominous moment. He would shout one last time, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And then he would breathe his last. It's the death that we come to hold our heads up high today and look at. But yet to hold his suffering in your heart creates overwhelming gratitude and humility, doesn't it? It's almost impossible to not bow your head in sorrow and reverence. Yet today... This is what we came to see. And so we look up and we look at him. This is what the writers of the scriptures talked about. That he would be the reason we boast. That he would be the reason we hold our heads high. Even the prophet Jeremiah says from God himself, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. And today we determine to know nothing else but Jesus and him crucified. We put all of our trust, all of our hope, all of our faith in him, and we hold our heads high and we look to him. Today we hold our heads high and we look to the cross. This instrument of death became the cornerstone of victory for our lives. 
That is what makes this a good Friday. That is why you can hold your head high today. Hold your head high today as he declares you forgiven. Hold your head high today as he bears every sorrow, every grief, every pain. Hold your head high today as he removes your guilt, your shame, and your penalty. Hold your head high today that the one who knows you by name, who declares you fearfully and wonderfully made, he boasts over you with joy. He rejoices over you with shouts, and he loves you with love without limits. Hold your head high today and know that not only is the cross empty, but the tomb is empty too. Hold your head high today and declare, I have been crucified with this Jesus. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. Hold your head high today and know that he was, that he is, that he is to come. And that instrument that was meant for death has now been meant for our life, for my life, for your life today. Hold your head high today and look at the cross of Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me for a moment? And even with all of our humility and gratitude, if you're comfortable doing this, if you're not, then go before God in your own way. If you're comfortable doing this, sitting at a couch at home or a desk in a break room or standing in this room, would you just put your palms out? Put your shoulders back just a little bit. Lift your chin. And close your eyes. It's the posture of worship today. And we boast in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. But because we can boast in this cross, we can live lives of faith. We can live lives of confidence that no matter who or what comes against us, that nothing can separate us from the love and the purposes and the plans of God. Believer in Jesus, just continue to hold that posture for just a moment. If you're here today, you got brought into this room by someone who wanted you to hear about the cross of Christ. I want you to know that death is for you. It doesn't matter what you've said about him. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how you've hurt him. It doesn't matter how you've thumbed your nose at him. You can stand with a Roman centurion who is standing at the base of that cross today, a hardened man who had seen war, who had seen all kinds of things, and who said, this must be the Son of God. Today in this room or watching online, if you would like to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you can do that right now. Would you pray on your own, in your own words and come before him? You can pray something like this. Just say, God, thank you for so loving me that you gave your one and only son. That the word that became flesh 
would be pierced for my sins, would be bruised for my transgressions. God, I don't understand it all, but I believe by his blood, my sins are removed. God, I receive your free gift of salvation with a faith that I did not know I had and didn't have before this moment. And I look to the cross. And even as you pray there, can I also challenge you to look at an empty tomb that we're going to be celebrating all weekend? Because not just the cross is empty, the tomb is empty too. Today, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, would you please let us know before you leave this place? It would, we want to come alongside you. We've got a gift for you. As you go to our help center there in the atrium in front of the fountain, just let us know. Our team will follow up with you there and help you in your journey of becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus.